This week on Access Louisville, we're going to talk about Papa John's and Shaq, Bellarmine University, going to the big leagues, and another Kentucky bourbon brand sold. Stick around. Thanks for joining us. My name's David Mann. With me today is Haley Cawthon. Hi. Brooke Timmons. Hey there. And Marty Finley. Hello. On Access Louisville, we bring you all the latest news and sharp opinions on this city we love, that being Louisville, Kentucky. But before we do that, I'm going to start this show the way I always do, with a difficult question for our panel. Guys, we're going to talk pizza today. Of the big four chains, Papa John's, Pizza Hut, Domino's, and Little Caesars, which one do you order in a pinch? Marty. Well, if this was the 1990s, still it would be Pizza Hut. <clears throat> but, Wasn't uh, Pizza Hut great in the 1990s? It really was. Um, <laughs> it was. I had the book it thing. Did y'all do that? <clears throat> Hell yeah. I wasn't alive. <laughs> I was born in 93. Kids always got to remind us that they weren't uh, alive. These days, in a pretty dramatic turnaround, I would probably have to say Domino's more than likely. Maybe yeah. Papa John's, depending on the mood. I'm going to second that Domino's. Um, it started in college with the 555 because that's all we could afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and also our meal plan uh, dollars went towards Domino's. Sorry, Mom. And uh, so... We did the Domino's thing, and now I still do the Domino's thing. I just, I can't. Yeah, that pizza tracker. That's what got me back in the oh, day. Oh, you know what? I do kind of like I don't know tracker. why. I wanted to see the pizza <laughs> tracker. And Pop, or, uh, Domino's brought it to me. Papa John has, has one now. How about you, Haley? So my husband is also in the Domino's mm-hmm. camp, so we kind of toss back and forth between Domino's and Pizza Hut. But out of my... Out of those four that we named, um, I think Papa John's is probably my favorite just because I love that garlic sauce. That is stuff. Yeah, that is their their Like, I will order a pizza there primarily for the garlic sauce, not necessarily the pizza. We've done that before. So nobody's growing up as a kid, you know, just, you know, had to get in the kitchen first to get the garlic sauce because one came in the box. Yes. Um, We, no, no one has mentioned Little Caesars in this discussion. Why is that? Well... Silence. <laughs> I don't want to say anything too egregious. <laughs> All right, we'll they're, leave they're it. They're hot and ready. Yeah, it it's hot and ready. It's five dollars, and it's five dollars, and you can usually just walk in and pick it up. Oh, there. There's some good things, Little Caesars. <laughs> there you go. I do, still, all... I do still enjoy their crazy bread. I will give them that. Yeah. I honestly just hadn't had Little Caesars since um, probably the 90s. We had one in Bardstown where I grew up, and I went there every once in a while. Uh, but I don't know. I just haven't, uh, haven't, haven't, haven't really had the urge to go back. I will have time. one concession for Little Caesars. Their deep, deep dish is not awful. It is pretty good. And I did try their pretzel crust when it first came out just because the novelty of it, and I was excited for a pretzel crust. Uh, it was... Not very good. <laughs> Not awful is a ringing endorsement. <laughs> Not awful. Put that on the box. What an icebreaker. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's talk about uh, Papa John's. That's the reason, uh, re- reason I brought up the pizza questions because uh, we knew um, uh, Shaquille O'Neal was joining the board at uh, Papa John's. Uh, that news was announced in March. And 
at the time, we knew he was going to have some kind of marketing role for the company. Of course, he is a famed pitch man. He's got his uh, he's got his name out there on a lot of different products. But um, but uh, this week we kind of got a, a look at what the uh, what that marketing is going to look like. And Haley uh, wrote about that. So why don't, why don't you tell us a little about uh, what we saw this week? So Shaq invested in nine Atlanta area. Papa John's locations for a total of $840,000, and he's going to own a 30% stake in those locations with Papa John's retaining 70% ownership in those um, restaurants. And so he debuted his uh, remodeled design where he kind of put his own stamp on it, and by stamp I mean his literal signature. He put it on the front of the building right? and uh, put his size 22 Footprints in the photos, yeah. yeah, in front of the door. So that was kind of like launching him into the Papa John sphere as being a franchisee and not just mm-hmm. a marketing person. Um, but marketing is definitely kind of his primary role in building that brand back. Right, up. right. And he's he's on the board. He's not just there. He's not just their spokesman. He's making some decisions about the company too. Um, considering the um, uh, scandal that Papa John's went through last year. Um, their founder, John Schnatter, uh, used a, a racist term uh, during a media conference call. Um, how important do you guys think Shaq is to helping that brand recover? I think he's fairly important. I feel like he is a positive figure for the company. And just in terms of his stipulations of the endorsement agreement that he got into, it seems like there is a lot of requirements for him. For example, uh, he's required to promote Papa John's products at least once per month on all of his social media platforms, (laughs) and each post is created by Papa John's and approved by Shaq's team. So anytime you see a Papa John's post on his pages, it's not created by him. (laughs) That's contractually obligated posting. Yes, and he also is contractually obligated to participate in at least eight service days, which includes production days for commercials. production days for the creative agency and personal appearances where he's actually going out and meeting with Papa John's franchises, um, going out and doing community events. And there's a total of uh, eight of those service days is what they call them. I saw that he's also um, contractually obligated to uh, make himself available one hour uh, a year for interviews, and those can be broken up. So maybe, maybe, Can we Shaq, are you listening? Shaq. Let, Shaq, are you listening? Can you be on our podcast? Yeah, we definitely want Shaq on the podcast. Also, a marketing technique that I feel like has not been utilized yet is why is no one calling him Papa Shaq? Oh. So, Papa Shaq, if you want to reach out to us as part of your 60 minutes, <laughs> we could do the whole 60 you can minutes call in. and you, you could call we it can a year. Get another, we'll buy a mic for you. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll buy a mic for we Shaq. We will get another mic. A very tall mark. <laughs> you saw him on uh, during the coverage of the NBA playoffs, right? You said he, yeah, he so threw he's Papa a, John's name he's out. He's part there. of the broadcast crew for Inside the NBA, and so at certain some of their segments, he would just sort of slip in references, giving them a little bit of national exposure. Um, so yeah, you see, you're seeing him go beyond his contractual obligations to uh, to promote the brand already. Right. Um, do you think he's a bigger get? than Peyton Manning, who was previously uh, Papa John's pitch man, alongside John Schnatter, of course. That's a toss-up for me, because I feel like Peyton Manning, I'm from Indiana. Because you're from Indiana. I'm from Indiana, and I feel like 
Peyton Manning to a lot of Hoosiers is kind of a national treasure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Except for those uh, nationwide commercials, because I really just don't like him in those commercials. Well, Brad Paisley brings it all down. I think. That's, yeah. his, that's his co-star in those commercials. Yes, <laughs> it's not fun. But otherwise, I feel like Peyton Manning is kind of like a sweetheart of the Midwest. So I don't know if Shaq has the same draw as that, but... yeah. Is he um is he an up like I I, I kind of see him as an uplifting character he just a, a character from you know my childhood I grew up in the nineties I watched here. him and um you know now he's he does the general auto insurance commercial he's funny he's uh you know he's I think he's is he doing a new Shaq Foo movie he might be I mean <laughs> the I mean, interesting still, the interesting thing I think about Shaq is when he was younger he was actually kind of a polarizing figure he said a lot of things. Off the cuff, he, he made all that people right. Angry. Yeah, he wasn't as beloved. He was doing kind of some days. dirty tactics where he would dunk on guys and you know, yeah, bounce the basketball off their head. Or but whatever. now he's just this loved guy. Yeah, he's a very <laughs> jolly, ubiquitous type of personality now. I think as he's gotten older, he's realized that you know he's building a brand and he doesn't want to be known as that that polarizing figure. He wants to be a positive, creating force. as many opportunities yeah. as he can for his business. I mean, empire. I don't know how much more positive you can get than the movie Kazam. And I have a special place in my heart for that. Mm. <laughs> 90s kid. A fine film. I'm sure I didn't actually watch it. Um, is he enough to uplift them from, from what they had last year? Uh, they, were, they were down and out last year, and their sales have reflected it. Uh, you know, can he kind of raise them up uh you know get get the you know people on twitter to stop hating them and that sort of thing is he that is he that good i guess i mean i think that all marketing tactics are like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks yeah so some truth to that i agree with that but i also think that time is playing a big factor in this people are becoming less and less concerned with the big scandal it seems like in Mm -hmm. my opinion Mm -hmm. um just in terms of talking about it and bringing it to a national scale so it seems like it's kind of just dying down with time not only with Shaq but just as time goes on people are forgetting yeah yeah I mean people lose focus so quickly now it's yeah they just move on to the next thing. and you know it can't hurt if you have a national celebrity <laughs> whatever the like president Shaq tweets uh, you know cover it up so yeah <laughs> all right yeah I went there um speaking <laughs> of basketball uh get back to basketball we got some uh pretty big news um from Bellarmine today this uh, this just came in as we were recording and um sh- it's already on our website now you're, you're probably going to hear about it this week but uh Bellarmine uh just uh moved to division one of the NCAA and uh Marty you, you just wrote that story so tell us a little bit of the details on yeah, that. yeah so this actually kind of leaked yesterday uh we knew that Bellarmine was looking to go from Division Two to Division One. That came out a few months ago. Uh, they've been working out the details since January with the ASUN Conference, which is based out of Atlanta, Georgia. So it's a nine-member conference, now 10, counting Bellarmine. Mm-hmm. So this was announced formally today. The commissioner was there at Bellarmine to kind of ring in this, uh, this occasion formally, and uh, they will go into that conference in 2020. So they will be in their current conference, the D2 Conference, for the next season, and then in 2020, 2020 2021. Uh, they will move over to that over to that conference. So uh, it's going to cost Bellarmine a few million dollars mm-hmm. to join. Uh, they got to pay a few million dollars to a little under two million to the NCAA, and then some money to a son. But um, this kind of will launch them into a new stratosphere because yeah, uh, a son has a deal with ESPN, so it will give them some broadcasting that they don't currently have. Why does a a, a school like Bellarmine even want to be a Division One school? I mean, does this do something for them financially that? 
uh, kind of take some, you know, get some of that national exposure? Yeah, the, it's really the marketing behind it is a big chunk of it. Uh, the national exposure they can right. get in front More of, people will hear of Bellarmine. They get a, a bigger audience immediately because you're on ESPN and you're potentially playing. I mean, there's a possibility they could be playing a Kansas or a Kentucky or mm-hmm. whoever in basketball. They already play Louisville one game a year, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, it's kind of a friendly game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you could be on a stage where you're playing one of those powerhouses, a Duke or somebody. Uh, and then they're, they have all kinds of other programs. About 17 sports programs will be making the move to this conference. So uh, a lot of opportunities to get your name out there. The hope is uh, Susan Donovan, the president, said, you know, we don't just want to kind of build a national exposure for acad- or athletics, but also academic. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping some non-student athletes will see Bellarmine and say, hey, I'd like to go there. I'd like to go to Louisville. I'd like to enroll there. So they're hoping they can boost enrollment as a whole. Mm-hmm. Well, I think just like process. getting your name out there and that whole sports realm kind mm-hmm. of gets that first kind of look at the school. And then, you know, maybe it's a school that people um, in other parts of the country have never heard of. <laughs> and then now, you know, right. maybe I can take a look at that school for their academic. Um, There's plenty of small schools that I wouldn't know existed if they didn't. Exactly. If they weren't D1 I think teams. a good example of that is the mid-majors you see during the NCAA tournament. Every exactly. Year. You've got the Loyola's that no one knows until they make a run in the NCAA. And then there's all this. The Cinderella yeah. story. The Cinderella's yeah. get that right. Right. exposure yeah. they would never get otherwise. It's definitely going to be. Who knows? Maybe Bellarmine makes that run in the future. So. Yeah. Well, they, uh, they've had a good basketball program. They have. Yeah, very good basketball And, I mean, program. with the distinguish, distinguishing factor of being a D1 school now, I feel like they're going to be able to attract that talent yeah, that get only wants to play for a D1 school mm-hmm. anyway. So that'll ramp up the right. national scale pretty quickly as soon as people start signing on there. Um, basketball is such a huge part of this town. Uh, you know, we've all gone to U of L games. I think we have. I know Marty, you're a big UK guy. I don't know if you've made it to a U of L game, but um, <laughs> Brooke too, I believe. Um, oh, now we're calling on alliances. <laughs> and I can guess what Haley's alliance is. Um, but do you guys see yourself going to a Bellarmine game? You know, just, the atmosphere is, I think, how is sometimes like that intimate atmosphere better? There, you have a fairly small venue, it's about 2,100 seats. As part of this, they're actually going to be expanding Knott's Hall some of the other facilities mm-hmm. just to make them more competitive. So it'll be a little bit bigger in the future. Uh, create that a little bit more of a D1 atmosphere, but I don't know. I think it could be, uh, it could be interesting to, uh, especially to seeing what kind of teams will be coming in there to play home mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could see myself going to a Bellarmine game, um, although my alliances do um, go to UK, you know, they're my number one. Um, I love supporting um, other schools in the city. I go to L games. Um, yeah. I would be happy to go to a Bellarmine game. And for listeners, I, I'm a U of L fan, so there is at least one represented here on this <laughs> panel. Don't worry. Um, uh, can we trade in our two D1 schools for one NBA team, Martin? Absolutely not. No. No? <laughs> the problem there. Uh, we, can we give it one more and try? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. There's a lot of community problems with college, with college athletics that you just don't get with the NBA. Yeah. I think everyone would think it was interesting to have an NBA team, but. You can look at some of these small markets where the teams are not very good and there's the, the crowds are just completely ambivalent. Yeah. But you never see that with a Bellarmine crowd or a, a Viola yeah. crowd. Bellarmine's got a lot of love when it comes to their fans. Yeah. So. Um, all right. Well, let's move it on from there. I want to talk about some other news we just got. Uh, Rabbit Hole uh, this week got a, a major share of the company was uh, sold to Pernod Ricard. Uh, it's a French company. Uh, that also owns Absolute Vodka and some other major brands you probably know, Jameson Iron Whiskey, uh, Jameson Irish Whiskey, uh, Beefeater Gin, 
and a lot of other uh, major global brands. They just bought a stake in Rabbit Hole. This isn't the first time we've seen a big liquor industry giant buy into one of these small Kentucky distilleries. We saw uh, Bacardi buy into Angel's Envy, a couple other investments in Bardstown Bourbon Company, um, and then a, a non-bourbon one, uh, but uh, Copper and Kings um, um, American Brandy Company has also had a, a share purchased by a major um, major spirits player. So the reason I wanted to bring this up, it seems like in the restaurant world, in the beer world, there's so much pride in local ownership. But do you guys care who owns your favorite bourbon brands? It's kind of a tricky question because I am that restaurant person and that craft, you know, kind right. of person. You want to go to the local places. I want like to go to the local places. I can't believe we even talked about pizza chains when we started this we podcast. Did, and we kept the local places off the... We'll I mean, get to them. Don't worry, local yeah. places. We'll pick you one of these days. Um, but I really like the investment that these brands are putting into this bourbon mm-hmm. um, thing that we have going on in our city, and our state. Um, and I think that the investment kind of um, infuses it and um, allows us to grow in ways that maybe if they were locally owned, they couldn't grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and to host new tourists and, and grab, grab more people coming in um, because it's a global thing. You mm-hmm. know? So many people are into bourbon right now and let's keep it going and let's keep investing in it. Mm-hmm. To um, me, this is kind of our, uh, this is like our Silicon Valley, you know, these are our startup companies and the, and you know, they're, a small tech startup gets bought by a big tech company. Well, this is a, a you know a small whiskey startup getting bought by a big liquor company. So, I mean, as far as just entrepreneurism goes, I mean, just hats off to them. It's uh, it's, it's very validating. I yeah, think, for I mean, for for brands like uh, uh, Pernod and uh, and Bacardi to take interest in uh, some of these small distilleries that were just dreams in the eyes of these entrepreneurs, I think is. It's just really inspiring probably to anybody who's ever thought about getting into that business. I think the good news for Louisville is most of the actual um, companies are staying here. The, the right. stilling is staying here. Right. I think and we'd all be really concerned if they were packing up and leaving. You, yeah, and let me let me be uh, clarify on that. Um, Kaveh Zamanian, who started Rabbit Hole, is sticking around. He's going to continue to run it. He still owns the majority share. It's just that uh, that these that Pernod bought, um, bought a share in the company. And uh, same with Angel's Envy, same with Copper and King's Bartown Bourbon Company. These were just major stakes that, that were purchased. They, weren't, they didn't buy the whole company. Um, so you guys, do you think it makes it less uh, um, authentic, uh, knowing that there's a big corporate, uh, you know, global giant behind the bourbon brand? I don't. I really don't. Um, I think that they're, they're keeping the things local like we just talked about. And what they're doing is they're 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 building those big tourist centers and mm-hmm. um and tasting rooms and places where people can experience their products and mm-hmm. it's only making it better. Mm-hmm. So um and like you said that um Cave is still um has the majority share of Rabbit Hole. So, you know, I think that this just major It's still theoretically his vision and exactly and that sort of thing. And like I said, he because everything's here, you're still seeing the bourbon process probably staying the same. You know, it takes a while to get a good bourbon and so it's not a mass-produced type of thing. But, um, yeah, I think as long as we can keep it local and the process is local, I think it's, it's more or less a, more positive than negative. Hey, I th- yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, I think uh, that's where bourbon and whiskey and the alcohol industry in general differs from the restaurant industry because even if a restaurant was started here locally, 
founded here locally, menu created locally, if they launch into a national chain, that automatically detracts some people from wanting to go there because they're a chain restaurant. Mm-hmm. There are so many people that are like, I'll eat anywhere but a chain. Yeah. And so even though some of these um, bigger name brands like, you know, Papa John's in Jeffersonville and even if they were started here, I think it's the fact that the menus are reproduced in every city right. and it's not a distinguishing experience for people. And so I feel like the way bourbon dif- differentiates is they have an actual experience attached to what they're doing and mm-hmm. they're actually hosting some kind of tourist economy in Kentucky. I've heard it said, I was at a, um, a, a bourbon, uh, bourbon Brotherhood, I'll shout out to them. Uh, it's a local group that meets here. Um, I, I went to one of their meetings one time, and uh, um, someone there told me, you know, the difference between beer and the bourbon industry is in the beer industry, the big guys aren't that good. You know, <laughs> not, not that many people uh, will. Well, some people will. It depends on your taste. I don't want to deride your taste if you love Budweiser. <laughs> you love Budweiser. That's fine. Um, but uh, the, the point being that the, in the beer world, the big guys aren't that great. But in the liquor world, the big guys like the Brown Foremans and, and, uh, and, and Johnny Walkers and, uh, you know, any of these real big brands, they are good. And they're making good product. And that's what makes a difference. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, is everybody here uh, a bourbon drinker? Not as much as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew am. I knew Marty was, um, and I knew Brooke was. But I wasn't sure. <laughs> I, did, it's, I don't know if it's. Quite I brought as... you guys some bourbon infused chocolates yesterday. <laughs> no. Does that count? Yeah. <laughs> I had a sick day and I missed this. Yes. I have one at home still. I'll bring it back to you. Thanks. <laughs> it's pretty good. And um, yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, we're a new show. We're still uh, finding our footing. Uh, we really appreciate you guys checking us out. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or other places that podcasts are subscribed to. Uh, if you have any topics of interest that you would like us to talk about or stuff that you want business first uh, as a website and a newspaper to cover, uh, please get in touch with me. My email address is dman at bizjournals.com. And I bet you know how to spell bizjournals. Just look in your heart. Um, we, we look forward to hearing from you, and I hope you feel the same. Uh, thank you, Marty. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Haley. And until next time.